Loading. The Crypto Coffee Podcast. Episode 19. Efren will confront the mountain devil. Something's in the air in the Amazon. And Jose tells men in black stories. Ready. Set. Play. learned about that my first few days learning how to do fucking audio work when i was trying to start <laughs> i never had any problem with it until today that's why i was freaking out i was like Wait. Hey, hey, hey remember it it's a hidden podcast this is getting cut don't worry okay cool i missed that podcast i don't <laughs> <laughs> i was sh- never on it i you was supposed to be twice and then talked about pokemon being a complicated game <laughs> it is <laughs> the card game no the, the actual, video game like like if you were like to not know anything about it and just get into it, my my like little brother when he was like in third grade. Like nah, he's got a point. Emerald. I've never played Pokemon. There's several times where I've picked up a Game Boy at Jordan's house. I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? Where the fuck am I? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> well, I mean, think about like this. walking through grass. Oh my god! You start the game right, and then you walk up. Yeah. And there's only one. Like there's three paths. We can only go down one. So you go down that path. And then that's how you figure it out. You're literally, like, guided by hand. I think I fucked up a bunch of Pokemon on, like, several people's Game Boys. Because, <laughs> like, aren't, how do you heal them? The potion center. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I wait till they die, and then I get a new <laughs> one. <laughs> Just to beat this random-ass Pokemon that I found on the grass that's probably not even valuable. So, Jordan, if you're listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was me. I killed your Pikachu. Just get a call from him right now. Oh, God. <laughs> Did you play the audio? Yeah, he played it. I didn't fucking hear it. What? Oh, yeah, you didn't, right? Yeah. Fuck. Does the, So just one ear on that headphone? All right. Try adjusting it. Try it? Nah. <laughs> yeah. Yo, that sounded pretty good, right? Creating a fucking noise cape. <laughs> yeah, see, that one right here. <laughs> it starts saying, like, prayers in Spanish. <laughs> oh shit well guys i have a question for you when you were a child was there ever anything that you were irrationally afraid of like it made no sense to be afraid of it no one else was afraid of it looking back at it you're not even afraid of it you're like that was stupid but when you were a child were you like terrified of it well i've told this story before Mm -hmm. satan iraq (laughs) really dude i was fucking scared i saw a newsstand i saw a magazine that looked like news i was just like what why is nobody talking about this this should be a bigger issue take me through the process take me how how did that afternoon go for you after you so i was raised catholic you know i Mm -hmm. still have that i don't fucking believe in god but i still have that catholic guilt yeah i have that fucking guilt embedded in me if you grew up catholic you still have it so yeah you know go shopping superior with my mom go to go pay and then I see this uh, magazine stand, right? And I'm like, oh, you know, newspapers. I'm going to look. Because back then, I actually did watch a lot of news. Mm-hmm. And I see this fucking thing. Satan caught in Iraq. And it's the only one that's talking about it. Yeah. 
So I'm like fucking terrified. Why is no one talking about this? Should be a bigger issue. They found Satan. Were you looking around and seeing people just grocery shopping? You're like, yeah, you should all run now. <laughs> they fucking found Satan. American GIs found Satan. Looking at the picture too, it's just a man in a hole with Marines next to him. <laughs> With his hands. <laughs> like they got him, like he's under arrest. <laughs> and then there was, of course, a ceramic statue that fucking spoke to me. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that uh kind of got to me as a kid. But honestly, that's not like uh, irrational, though. No, ceramic statue's not, but think no, about either it. one. Like, if I was a kid and I saw a news headline from like somewhere that looks reputable, Satan found in Iraq, <laughs> I'd be scared too. No, I'm talking about something that had no reason for you to be afraid of, but you were somehow still afraid of. I'm building up because I, I I have an embarrassing one. <laughs> Zeus, did you have anything or anything weird? Uh, I hated when like nature shows did like the close-ups for uh, insects. Oh, but that's about it that I could think of. Is that still to this day or not? No. Okay, I was about to so- send you a fucking video of a Japanese uh, wasp. No, killing <laughs> bees. No, I wouldn't care. <laughs> Dude, so I, when I was a kid, I think I was like five, six years old. Uh, we went to McDonald's. I got the Happy Meal, and then I got a toy. They were doing a thing for Recess, the Disney cartoon. Yeah. And I got the fucking old lady with the yellow dress and oh. the glasses. I forget what her name is. And she has a ruler. Yeah. I'm like, and I was playing with it for some reason. After I played with it, I was like, you know what? This bitch kind of ugly. I'm afraid <laughs> of her. So ever since then, for like a couple years... Whenever I would, like, misbehave, they're like, hey, go clean your room. Go pick this up. Otherwise, I'm going to get the no-no on you. I don't know what they <laughs> called her. I'm probably going to say the no-no. It was her. They kept her in, like, a drawer. <laughs> and I would, they would chase me around the house, and I'd be screaming at the top of my lungs. She wasn't going to do anything to me. They would just put her in my face, and it felt like an exorcism. I'd be like, ah, I, I was so afraid of this fucking doll for no reason. Looking back, maybe it was haunted, and I was seeing something that no one else was. See, like, that would be a good intro to a fucking haunted doll story. Right? Damn, I didn't bring a haunted doll <laughs> story either, unfortunately. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Cryptic Coffee, by the way. <laughs> we'll just tell you stories that could lead into something good, but uh, go nowhere. They never do. <laughs> My name is Efren. This is Jose. And Zeus. I was about to say, saying goodbye as if this is- <laughs> We had technical issues, so right. we've been here for a while. We've been here a bit. Goddamn, uh, a static noise started uh, messing with us. Oh my god, the kombucha! No! <laughs> Goddamn, that's the devil's kombucha. Yeah, that thing. Okay. So, in case you didn't know, today I brought kombucha. <laughs> I opened the bottle, and holy shit, it started fizzing. I didn't know it was fizzy. Uh, I might have shaken mine, because I feel like it would have been one of those that you have to shake. Oh, it's smelling, too. It smells like vinegar. I picked one up, too, just in case, and I shook it because it looks like one of those you have to shake. Yeah, I brought coffee just in case. I got a soda. I mean, not a soda. <laughs> I got a can of Monster Coffee just in case the kombucha doesn't work because I've never tried kombucha. Thank you, Zeus. How are you guys doing? I'm doing all right. I brought a vanilla frappuccino. Nice, nice. Zeus? Liquid death? Yeah. I think Zeus has a favorite thing now. Yeah. Goddamn water. Unlike that other one you brought the other day. The oh. chainsaw liquid death? Oh, yeah. Not like that one. That shit was rancid. <laughs> so before the podcast, we were talking about uh, our upbringings. You were talking about, uh, what's it called? Uh, weekly weird news? Yeah. And I was telling him about when I was a kid, I used to listen so much to Alex Jones. So like, the thing is, sorry, uh, 
this came up because we were in the car. Yeah. And it came up as I was trying to make fun of uh, Efrain for listening to Joe Rogan. Yeah. We brought up about uh, Alex Jones and how he kind of both created us. Yeah. That's basically my first exposure to like conspiracy theories and like the occult and like the mysterious <laughs> shit. I'm telling Jose that I was 10 years old worried like an old man i was stressing out because alex jones was telling me about bohemian grove <laughs> he was telling me that all these fucking rich people were gathering in northern california burning owls and shit i'm over here telling my mom like we have to stop them <laughs> <laughs> i was dead ass stressing about that george bush and 9-11 all of it dude i was 10 years old listening to all this fucking bullshit Tell me, how is how are you going to be a normal person <laughs> when you grow up if that's your fucking upbringing? Alex Jones. That's why we have a podcast today. That's that's how we ended up here. Wait, as much as like I fucking hate Alex Jones, fuck Alex Jones. Literally, his whole Bohemian Grove video was like my introduction to conspiracy theories. Exactly, dude. So it's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? You hate the man now, but admit that, that he did he bring He created you up. us. Thank you, Alex. If it wasn't for Alex Jones and Colonel Sanders, we wouldn't be here. Deadass. Two old white men. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it always like that? <laughs> A story as old as time. All right, I'm going to try the kombucha now. Okay, it's not as bad as it smelled. It tastes actually decent. His <laughs> <laughs> fucking eyes just opened up. I didn't know it tastes. It was soda. It's basically fizzy soda. I mean, it fizzed when they like you open it, so I yeah. figured it was something. I thought it was gonna be like a water or a something. Tea. Yeah, that's why I keep shaking mine. <laughs> no, it's actually pretty good. Pomegranate. Uh, I got what is it? The Health Aid Kombucha Pomegranate. All right, that's pretty good. So, boys, we have some stories for you today. I brought a cryptid. Don't I was gonna bring a cryptid, but I brought something that I thought would be interesting as well. Ah, uh, you told me about it. I'm really excited for that. I've been inspired lately by Zeus. He'd be bringing fucking banger after banger as far as cryptid. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I want some of that. You know, like, we, we have to really step our game up because Zeus is just... Started with the... Yeah, let's give <laughs> Zeus a hand of applause. I'm a major cupping with one hand. <laughs> So I brought a story from somewhere I've actually been, guys, and I'm actually going to go this summer. So I'm, a, I'm kind of excited. I'm going to be looking out for this motherfucker. I brought the Lone Pine Mountain Devil. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's going to sound similar for two different reasons. Some early predatory birds and feathered dinosaurs had multiple wings on both of their arms and legs. These creatures were known as Microraptors. One of the largest of these multiple winged creatures was known as, now I'm sorry for this, Sinornithosaurus. <laughs> Let's just call it Thesaurus for now. <laughs> Which was suspected to be venomous by certain grooves running down the outer surface towards the rear of the tooth. A feature seen only in venomous animals such as snakes and the venomous Gila monster lizard. North American folklore also speaks of multiple winged creatures with venomous fangs and talons. The Lone Pine Mountain Devil is a winged carnivore of northern North American folklore. Some believe it to be a West Coast relative to the New Jersey Devil. And if you look at pictures, he actually does look very similar to me. Did you say to me? To me. I'm. This is Efren talking, not just the narrator. I, I was like, 
He looks like you? No, no, no. To me, he looks very similar to the Jersey Devil. Sorry, you read it too, right? Was, oh, did I read that wrong? I was just the staring way, at him like, like, okay. Like, like, he looks very similar to me. Okay, let me reread that. Just, <laughs> I shouldn't have added that probably. Some believe it to be a West Coast relative of the New Jersey Devil. And Efren thinks he looks very similar. I've seen some of the pictures of this uh, beast. One early account by a priest described them as winged demons sent from the depths of hell. Also referred to as the California Mountain Devil, the animal is said to be a bat-like legendary creature or cryptid believed to inhabit the wilderness and mountains, mountainous region of the American Southwest and Northern Mexico. The Lone Pine Mountain Devil is usually described as a large, furry, multi-winged creature with razor-like talons and multiple layers of deadly, venomous fangs. The scientific community considers the Lone Pine Mountain Devil to be a combination of folklore and misidentification rather than a real creature. Since 1928, there have not been any significant or credible sightings of the Lone Pine Mountain Devil, and there are no existing images of the creature caught on film. Its name may come from, the com from a combination of its alleged habitat in the Sierra Nevada mountain range outside of the town of Lone Pine. Shout out to Lone Pine. If you guys are ever out there, get some barbecue, get some beef jerky, and then you'll be on your way. Most of the people that pass by Lo Lone Pine, they don't stay there. They're going to like Mammoth Lakes or some shit. Stop, all right? <laughs> it's a nice town. Give some tourism. Look for a cryptid. Look for a cryptid, yeah. I'm actually going to go there uh, this summer with friends. And maybe in the winter, I want to do a hike, if you guys are interested. Were, were you invited to this? No. Yeah, but they were. The Lone Pine <laughs> <laughs> The creature is believed to slaughter its prey by attacking the torso and head of the victim. Most wild animal attacks stem from the need to eat the meat of its prey, whereas the mountain devils are said to indulge only on the soft cartilage areas of the face and torso. Sound familiar, guys? It only attacks the head sometimes? I'm looking at Zeus just like... <laughs> No, <laughs> and leaving the remaining meat to rot or for other animals to eat. Early settlers, including the 49ers, began spreading tales of the creature's existence after numerous coyote and bobcat carcasses were found in the rough desert and mountain wilderness in the southwest. Were the they all just like decapitated? Uh, I don't think the carcasses of the actual animals were. Uh, I think that's mostly humans. Or it could be. Wait, let me see. Let me read back. Because, like, if he attacks just the fucking head and just, like, leaves the body to rot. No, you're right. You're right. It doesn't say humans. It says the creature is believed to slaughter its prey. So, yeah. So, the carcasses of the bobcats and the mountain lions were probably uh, just attacked on, on its torso and heads as well. Where was that? Oh, yeah. They found these in the mountain, the mountain wilderness of the southwest in the mid-19th century. It is not known when or who first coined the, t the name Lone Pine Mountain Devil. The Mountain Devil became legend as the settlers told each other tales of finding entire convoys of adventurers, families, and gold prospectors who had been murdered. Their faces left unrecognizable. Their torsos appeared to have been eaten clean to the bone. Since the early 1900s, sightings have dropped significantly. Some attribute the massive population influx of the, of the early 20th century 
to the regions of Southern California to the disappearance of this alleged beast. So because a lot of people started coming here, they started becoming more reclusive, or maybe we hunted some of them. That's kind of like the theory. The thing to me is, uh, dude, like imagine how many cryptids there actually were and were just like hunted. It brings me back to that picture of the, what's it called? Like the old cowboys with, yeah. on top of like a pterodactyl. The, was that the, was that the Van Meter monster? No, the Van Meter visitor looks like a pterodactyl, yeah. but it could have been an alien. It was, the, the jury's still out on that one. Yeah. That one's kind of like a weird thing. It wasn't exactly a fucking animal. It was like, I think it was like metal on some parts. Oh shit. Yeah, that's why. That one's a weird one. I, I want to get into that one too. Here's a picture of the monster. Oh, shit. It kind of looks like the Jersey Devil, kind of looks like a pterodactyl, but with, like, longer feet. Yeah. Looks like a giant chicken to me, too. Yeah, <laughs> it, it does. It's it's scary, dude. It's uh, Imagine this, but huge. Dude, dude. I, I just want to cook that up with some gochujang. Dude, this probably tastes amazing, too. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder they got hunted to extinction. <laughs> yeah, apparently it's all over the Sierra Nevada uh, mountain range. Which is a mountain range that I frequent a lot. All I'm saying is I've never seen one or heard one. Yeah, that uh, I know where I'm gonna look at that picture later. At Cryptic Coffee Pot on Instagram. I think this is the first time I've promoted it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, I'm the one who mostly works on it. Yeah. Zeus uploaded the other day. Did he? Oh no, yeah. that story. A story, yeah. Yeah. I was like, wait, did someone have, like finally upload something beside me? <laughs> Yeah, it was me. It was so, just a meme. <laughs> I actually haven't, so I actually haven't even uploaded because yeah. I've been waiting for you to drop the episode. Yeah. So I can promote that episode. Oh yeah, the last one. We'll yeah. get there. I just put it up because I was like, uh, "Fuck it." <laughs> was it late night when you posted that as well? No, it was like in the afternoon. Okay, I probably saw it. He late had night. just woken up. That was funny. Basically, <laughs> it was like Mothman at at Arby's. It's like Mothman at Arby's. What he gonna order? <laughs> Or it was either that or the fuck Mothman doing that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the second one, yeah. Now, here might be a reason why I've never seen this thing. I'm kidding. I'm trying to hype myself up. According to North American Cryptozoology Center, Lone Pine Mountain Devils only attack creatures who disrupt the ambience and inner peace of its natural habitat. True believers of the creature's existence see the Lone Pine Mountain Devil as a keeper of the peace of sorts. Of the sanctity of the natural wonders of the region. Kind of like a guard. They gave this guy like a religious like purpose now. Dude, this goes back to like fucking last week. Something in the way. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently cryptors are protecting their fucking homes now. That's crazy. To Nirvana. If you ask me, I'm all for it. (laughs) We should give the cryptids guns. (laughs) We should extend the second amendment to animals, all right? If we just start leaving guns as uh fucking <laughs> offerings yeah just fucking offerings in the woods and forests so for ah oh, i know you guys have i know at least you jose have seen this video uh during the planet of the apes the newer movies oh i know what you're talking about <laughs> i know what you're talking about as a fucking promotion they released a viral video where two guys in africa give this chimpanzee a, a ak-47 he just starts like twirling it around and they're all laughing and pointing at him, and pointing at him, and all of a sudden he fires it, <laughs> and they all run, and the chimpanzee just like, pop, 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 pop. and then he puts the gun up over his shoulders, like I am king now. <laughs> that is a <laughs> what the 
fuck? It's an amazing video. I'm going to show it to you, Jose. That shit's hilarious. Imagine just going to, like, the mountains, leaving a fucking pistol. Like, here you go. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm going to save that for, uh, for a post when we, put up, when we upload this episode. Protect your land, king. <laughs> they view the mountain uh, devil's normal foods of prey, coyotes, bobcats, humans, etc., to be of those who destroy the natural elements of the region and do not contribute to the regeneration of the forest. One popular rumor states that those who disrespect nature, the wilderness, or the existence of the Lone Pine Mountain Devil are targeted as prey by the creature. Oh shit, we might lose a friend in the summer. <laughs> I might not come back after June. <laughs> that's, that's the belief. So it literally is the most picky eater <laughs> Of all, it only attacks certain types of uh, creatures, and it only attacks the torso and the face. My man's developed a taste. Good for him. Listen, where am I going? I'm going to Bishop. The closest I'll be in, like, the Sierra Nevadas, I'll be in, like, Convict Lake. I'm, I'm going to be, like, right at the, like, the base of, like, some of the mountains. I'm yeah. going to get there. I'll take video. I'll scream, fuck the mountain devil. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send it immediately because if I if I'm gone, <laughs> that's the last you'll hear of me. Like the the last millisecond, you're gonna see something like black in the uh, air or something off, on the frame. The best known documentation of human interaction with the Lone Pine Mountain Devil came in 1878, almost well, yeah, way more over a hundred years ago, like 150 years ago, when a stagecoach train of Spanish settlers disappeared in the Sierra Nevada mountains in Southern California. A group of 37 settlers, men, women, and children, vanished without a trace for two months, after which their rotted corpses were discovered by a team of copper miners. Weeks passed since their scheduled arrival at a missionary at a mission about 110 miles north of San Diego, when a lone priest, Father Justice Martinez, approached the mission. He was weak, thirsty, and hungry. He had no horse and no supplies, only the clothes on his back and a journal. Upon questioning, the priest informed the others that while on his journey, on their journey, he had taken a vow of silence when confronted by the beasts, damned by the good Lord, according to him. The last entry in his journal was related to the disappearance of the Spanish convoy in the mountains. In it, he describes the settlers weary from their cross-continental journey. They all took part in a celebration to honor St. Roderick. The celebration <laughs> quickly escal escalated into a righteous orgy. So the father is with these 37 people that disappeared. Yeah. According to the father, in his journal, they started fucking. <laughs> They're in the woods. They started fucking. <laughs> the settlers began to burn trees for heat and light as the party carried on into the dark hours of the night. The priest writes that he took refuge by himself in a small tent outside of the convoy, and he watched as these winged demons swarmed from the trees <laughs> and attacked the settlers. His final entry into the journal read, My God, my God, they're all gone. <laughs> the winged demons have risen. What sin have they committed against each other and thy sacred earth? May the forgiving Lord not abandon their souls which were taken from them into the depths of hell. And through the earthly fires of man, a soul tree remained on the mountain peak. And the devils that spared me 
return to the refuge of the Lone Pine on the mountain. So I guess that's kind of where the town got its name, Lone Pine. The first Bohemian Grove was a disaster. <laughs> Holy shit. First, that's why they resulted to owls. <laughs> Fucking hell. After years of decline, the new millennium has seen a sudden jump in Mountain Devil sightings. The, yo, 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 whoa, whoa, hold up. What? The new millennium? So, like... Now. We're talking about 2000. Yo, you better not have a fucking orgy in the fucking woods, brother. <laughs> Y'all want to go to the woods? <laughs> oh, now uses. we get the invite. <laughs> After years of decline, the new millennium has seen a sudden jump in Mountain Devil sightings. California cryptozoologists have stated that they have recorded an exponential rise between 2003 and 2010. Local authorities are currently investigating the disappearance of a group of local high school students missing in the Death Valley region since 2010. So yeah, there's new sightings on the rise. I'm kind of scared now. It's my favorite spot to be. Holy there, shit. I'd be... I'd be doing a lot of things around there. The oldest trees in the world are in that area. I like going there. There's hot springs. I've Pua been there dead ass naked. <laughs> Imagine just the fucking mountain devil shows up, picks up a naked Pua. <laughs> a giant Samoan just takes him flying. And he been in the fucking hot springs, so you know he boiled. He's, <laughs> he's at the perfect temperature. He's cooked. Put a fork in him. He's done. I'm going to hunt this motherfucker when I go now. <laughs> if you guys want to join me, I don't recommend it, <laughs> but you guys are invited. Well, I mean, you know how to summon them. I'm going to start stomping all the branches, all the shrubbery. <laughs> you hear something in the wind. <laughs> that's it, you're gone. Is that the new theme song for all the protective cryptids? We're going to make like a category of uh, different cryptids, like cryptids that want to be left alone, cryptids that just hunt cryptids that protect <laughs> they're all the, gonna have their theme song the cryptids of vengeance <laughs> the avengers <laughs> the avenger cryptids oh, that fucking song i'm probably gonna download the song and put it somewhere <laughs> something's in my ass <laughs> <laughs> funny enough we said that so much on our trip to yosemite uh, I told you guys, me and Josh, we can't be together because we just say the randomest shit. Yeah. Josh, the whole trip was, something's in my ass. <laughs> just randomly. Imagine. It's quiet up there. It's quiet in nature. Imagine you're just on top of a mountain or something, and there's nothing. You hear nothing but, like, wind in the, th in the trees. And all of a sudden, something's... <laughs> He's, like, 100 feet away. Something's in my ass. Should have yelled back. Mars, what are you doing? No, Allie would be like, hmm. <laughs> she would continue it. So I'm excited to see the Mountain Devil this June or July. Well, we got our one year anniversary, so you better come back for that. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> we did the podcast for one year. It's like, all right, we're good. And not even, I die before the year <laughs> comes. Zeus, what did you bring? Liquid Death. I. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say anything. That's a good one. I'll give you credit for that. I was one. looking at it the whole time, and you, you were like, what'd you bring? I was like, liquid death. <laughs> liquid death, Everton. I already told you. And some voodoo heat chips. Yeah. Those are pretty good. What's your story, Zoo? <laughs> <laughs> I got to be more careful now with my questions. It's okay. I brought um, a story about the Kaipora. Kaipora. Yeah, the what is cryptid that, that they from Brazil, get confused right? with the Curupira. <laughs> the Curupica? Curupica. <laughs> But yeah, um, 
It's represented as a dark-skinned, small Native American, naked, with a very long red mane, smoking a cigar, and very mischievous. This is a family show. <laughs> what did you bring? It's basically the Cutipita, but it's just... He's got a cigar? Yeah. I didn't know cryptids could do that. Well, I mean, the other one, they left them cigarettes. <laughs> or tobacco. We leaving guns and tobacco to these motherfuckers. They're learning. <laughs> They're evolving. <laughs> Bro, imagine you're in like in the Amazon or something. All of a sudden you see a store, but <laughs> there's no humans. It just says store, but like in some like backwards E yeah. or R. It's like some ancient language we don't know. And it's fully not constructed for you. It's either way too big or way too small. <laughs> so you know it's for something else. Sometimes, sometimes Kaipora <laughs> is depicted as a female and other times as a male. The representation of the creature varies among the different regions of Brazil and is sometimes confused with the Kirupira, which is another mythological creature who protects the forest. Kirupira <laughs> is often depicted as a boy with red hair who has his feet turned backwards in order to deceive trackers. In some regions, the indigenous tribes believed that the Kaipora was afraid of the light. For this reason, they would walk around the forest protecting themselves using firebrands. Some say it rides a great peccary, which is like a type of pig, mm-hmm. holding a stick. Wait. It's not the pig. Okay. <laughs> I looked at you like, no, not. Again, I got to be careful with my questions the, now. The pig is strapped. <laughs> some, oh, no, I already read that. Sorry. In some other areas of Brazil, the caipora is considered to be a cannibal and would eat anything, even the smallest insects. The caipora is known as a forest dweller, as a king of the animals of sorts and is very vengeful of hunters who do not respect the rules of fair play when hunting. It is told that it scares away prey and hides animal tracks or makes hunters lose their way in the jungle. It disorients the hunters by simulating animal noises and by leaving fake tracks. One place you do not want to get lost is the Amazon jungle. You're not coming back. I'm good, man. Or just set it on fire. You'll find your way. It doesn't even have to be anything paranormal. Just being there, you're <laughs> not coming back. According to popular belief, its activity intensifies on those days in which hunting is not supposed to take place. Therefore, on Fridays, Sundays, and the religious days. Religious beliefs prohibited hunting on certain days, but there are claims about ways to trick the protector of the forest. It is known that the Kaipora likes smoke, so on Thursday nights, the hunters would leave smoke by the trunk of a tree and say, I'm going to try to say this in Portuguese, Toma Kaipora, deixa e ir embora. Which means, here you go, Kaipora, let me leave. The good luck of hunters is also due to the proprietary gifts that were offered to the creature. Okay. Hmm. I like that. So we got a theme going on. Basically, these are two cryptids that we could actually summon if we tried. Yeah. Anyone got any ideas? (laughs) No. (laughs) As much as I would like to see them in person, I feel like we should leave them alone. (laughs) You're actually right. Don't mess with nature, guys. It's going to be like that meme, the Batman punching someone. He's <laughs> like, hey, I think you got him. You want what he's having? Yeah, you just remind me of that clip where Robin beats the shit out of the penguin. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like I'm not the only one with a lackey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's a lackey now, huh? <laughs> just beating the Nothing shit out of him. <laughs> I don't know. If that part was true about like oh they're guardians of like the forest i'm pretty sure someone would have been stupid enough i mean we're already coming up with the idea (laughs) i'm pretty sure someone's stupid enough to actually execute 
someone had to have already been in like the Sierra Nevadas, like fuck the Mountain Dew. <laughs> and probably came back and like, nah, he not real. We probably haven't heard of it because uh, oh my god, they're, they're fucking gone. <laughs> they're fucking gone. <laughs> but funny enough, four one one. Yeah, missing four one ones. The biggest region of missing four one ones in California is the Sierra Nevada mountains. There you go. That's crazy. You son of a bitch. You're going to disappear on us. Nah, I'm not. I'll send video. You guys can come if you want. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're going to, uh, every time we go hacking with the frame, we're going to put the monkey leashes on you <laughs> so we don't lose track of where you are. No, I'll never leave you alone. Cuts to me leaving them alone. <laughs> I do that a lot. I go hiking with friends and then I just start hiking like fast. They're like, where friend? And then I just keep going. <laughs> I did that to my friends in uh, Sequoia, and then I left them for a good solid, like, 10-minute gap between me and them. I was just sitting by a tree waiting for them. I'm like, there he is. <laughs> you should have done the Blair Witch thing where you just, like, just stand, stand. Yeah, with the, with your back turned to them. I'm not that crazy. I'd scare myself. <laughs> no, I would I would definitely do that to you guys. You'd do that, yeah. Thank God you didn't when we were in the fucking trees. <laughs> no. <laughs> Serene would look at us. Oh, yeah. Imagine him and Serene, his dog. <laughs> Serene's also doing that. <laughs> I'd have to hold her for her to do that. It'd be scary and cute. Jose. All right, so. Tell us our main story tonight. So I brought it. The reason I brought this in is because like, it's two things that I want to like do. Mm-hmm. I want us doing more uh, you know, listener stories, I guess you could say. This isn't our listener stories. This is someone else's listeners. But I thought it was an interesting case. And it's kind of a way for me to push a big story. Hopefully, like, one of the bigger episodes is The Men in Black. Ooh. So, I found this from uh, Phantoms and Monsters. It's, uh, they compiled a, a couple of uh, early Men in Black encounters from Coast to Coast listeners with Art Bell. Okay. So, these are usually from, like, the 90s or the 80s. They called into the Art Bell uh, Coast to Coast and told them stories. And I love that on some of these, there's actually, like, reactions from Art Bell. Really? Like where someone he just like did not give a shit, did not want to listen to them, so he tried to cut them off. Art Bell did not believe anyone that like would call in. I don't know. I think he was the perfect host for it because he didn't believe anything. Be like, yeah, yeah, you saw aliens. That's funny. He's crazy. As soon as he like <laughs> they hang up, because like so like when I was reading these, actually gave me a rem- uh, reminded me of um. Do you know the what's his fucking name? Howard Stern. Yes. Do you know about the 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 kill the serial killer that called it? Yes, his? yes. I I I don't know if I listened to it or I read a transcript, but yes, I know exactly about that. Yeah, I've like listened to the actual thing. Okay. Do you know about is this? No. So yeah, so you know how I, I, before we started this, I'm like we should probably do like live streams when we get big enough. Yeah. And have people call in or just you know just stuff like that. I'm kind of afraid of that happening to be honest. <laughs> to be honest, I would not get any sleep that night, yeah. but it would also be really really. If we ever did that, it would have to be during the day, probably, because I am yeah. not going to be here at night and then have a potential serial killer like call us <laughs> live, because that's basically what happened to Howard Stern. Howard Stern is a famous uh, radio yeah. host on, in New York, and he's like a shock jock. I don't know if those exist anymore. Basically, his job was to be like as shocking as humanly possible. He would have he was like the first radio guy to have like a fully naked woman woman on on the studio, and like you yeah. couldn't see her, but he was like. Trust me, guys who are listening, she's hot. <laughs> and, like, just random stuff. It, have you seen, like, Beetlejuice videos? Yeah, I I know, like, a little bit of, like... He's Howard. the reason Beetlejuice became famous. He brought Beetlejuice into the studio. That's basically Howard's turn. Just shocking content, shocking shit. Thank God he didn't say his name a third time. 
<laughs> As you said that, a shadow walked <laughs> by the door. Not a, it was a person walking down yeah. the street, but he looked so scary. Hey, look, that window's fucking open, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Dear God, it's Howard Stern. <laughs> but yeah, he had someone call in, and apparently they claimed to be a serial killer. And Howard just started like interviewing, like, how many have you killed? I think he said like what, twelve? Like twelve, twelve prostitutes? Yeah. And like, why are you doing it? Why do you do it? I don't know. Like, he just started answering, like, all the questions, like, monotone. Like, did you ever get caught? Eh, one time I got close. Like, it's all creepy. You you should listen to and, it. And, like, I know uh, people are, like, kind of dissecting the audio. And they're, like, he tried, he really tried to keep that guy on the line as long as, as much as possible. So, like, you could find, like, where he was calling from. Mm-hmm. I don't think he ever got caught, though. No, he probably never. Uh, I don't think he got caught. There was never any sort of, like, I think his name was, like, like, it wasn't real his name. But he's, like, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm David or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And he's, like, I've killed, like, 12 prostitutes. There was never any malicious intent to it. I just killed them. Exactly. He's like, he's like, I never hated them. I didn't know who they were. Sometimes it was after I had sex with them. Just killed them. It was a creepy, like, I think I read it. But, yeah, it was a creepy re- read for me. So that's why I'm kind of afraid. Yeah. I don't want to have. We're either going to have trolls or we're just going to have something super serious. Oh, we're like, definitely going to have trolls. We're going to get hacked and they're going to tell us our exact location. Like, <laughs> Is I'm this coming. you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, because like I think uh, Coast to Coast is probably one of my biggest inspirations. Yeah, in a way of something I would love to do is just like have people call and it's like this is my because there there's a shit ton of experiences that we've never heard of. Exactly stuff that doesn't get posted. Stuff people are like, you know, maybe this is a dream. Mm-hmm. All right, well, what did you dream? I dreamed this. Oh yeah, you know, stuff like that. You know, it might have been a dream, might not. But people, some people just don't tell their stories. Like I never told any of my stories until I was here on the pod. Yeah, we could probably do that on Twitch or something. Yeah, you know, once we get bigger stuff like that, we can. Also, we also have that uh, the email. If you had no, remember the yeah, cryptic coffee at uh, cryptic coffee pod at gmail dot com. Please hit us up if you have a story and you want us to read on the pod. Uh, let us know or at cryptic coffee pod on Instagram. Just, Just DM hit us. us up. Yeah, tell us your story. We'll we'll see if we can read it. Or if you want to come on, we can set up a call. But yeah, so when I saw this, it's like I said, my biggest inspiration and probably me. Trying to push Men in Black is one of the big stories because we were going to do Fermi Paradox. Yeah. But then that. <laughs> I'm so mad at that. We're at the point where we can name other podcasts. We've already mentioned them. Yeah. I was telling you guys. All right. So first big episode. I was so excited. I was in the group chat. Guys, we're going to do the Fermi Paradox. I'm going to introduce it. Jose's going to give one solution. Zeus is going to give another solution. I might give the third. And then it's going to be one whole episode. Two days later, Chiluminati podcast. <laughs> <laughs> they show up with the Fermi paradox and basically like decipher it uh, in one episode. I'm like, fuck! <laughs> it was going to be our big one. So now we got to rethink our big one and then maybe return to the Fermi paradox one day. Let me tell you this. When I got that e- when I got that message, I was literally buying the car. Really? I was at the guy, uh we're paying we're buying the car. The my my Your Honda my, Civic. My new Honda Civic. We're paying the guy and uh so they were like, you know, he and his friend were talking. And I'm on my phone, right? And I'm just like, oh, uh, your frame's mad. I wonder why. And I open it up. And I see the thing. Shalami Podcast, Fermi Paradox. And I start fucking dying. <laughs> Shout out to my homie Bernie because he was with me and I was just like laughing. <laughs> Bernie, you know my pain. <laughs> but yeah, so the first story is called Strange Transfer. This takes place in the mid-1990s in Salt Lake City, Utah, USA. Salt A man Lake Quiet Pills. Named- <laughs> A man named Greg Dalrich called into the 1997 Coast to Coast radio show, one in which guest was Jim Keith. 
to tell his encounter of several strange men dressed in black suits. Several years ago, I was a nurse down in Salt Lake City, he told Art Bell. One weekend, a patient showed up. He assumed right away that the man was army and had, as he had short cropped hair and generally looked the type. He discovered that he never that he worked at Dugway Proving Ground. He had somehow broken his leg while working on something out there, but Greg, no matter how much poking he did, could not get anything else out of him. When the man was about to be transferred, two guys showed up. They weren't wearing sunglasses, but were wearing suits and looked rather uh, intimidating. Greg said, "You would you would have figured that they had been army corpsmen or some, something like, uh, or something." And these guys show up. Further, Greg found them extremely odd. They wouldn't say where they were taking him at the hospital when we transfer a patient. What I thought was really particular, you normally would get copies of records to go along with the patient. They refused to allow this individual to remain at the facility. And as a matter of fact, they would not leave the nurse's ward with the, with the patient. They kept them on a gurney until they talked to my nursing manager. They pulled her off to the side. And next thing you know, she handed the records and he was gone. He just disappeared. You know, he was gone. Nobody knew where he was going. We had no record of him ever being there for a hospital that's kind of like i wonder how many times that actually happens right yeah it has to have happened like a couple of times across the country like throughout these decades like just a man we weren't able to get his paperwork like fully done because we don't know who the fuck he is yeah and they just disappears yeah well like this guy got taken away and she had the the head nurse had to hand her had a paper to the you know man and black guy yeah and apparently according to the records he was never there shit he's a magician <laughs> I don't believe, like, the supernatural side of the men in black. Like, the idea that, like, they're aliens pretending to be humans. But I do believe there's, like, some government shit happening. I have a couple of those stories. And uh, one of the stories that I really, like, made me laugh here was kind of, it was really badly written. Mm-hmm. But it was about them in the club. <laughs> so I can't wait to get to that one. Men in the club. The men in black in the club, brother. <laughs> but, yeah. So the second one is called Night Visitor. From 1991 in Sacramento, USA. A woman named Gloria called into 1997 Coast to Coast, the same one with Jim Keith, to tell of her encounter with the strange men in black. She claimed that in 1991, she was living in the Midtown area of Sacramento. At the time, she was attempting to set up a support group for people who were abducted. It was early in the morning and her husband had left for work. She was lying in bed in a state of twilight consciousness. When suddenly, process came over her and before her eyes, out of the corner of her eye, she saw a tall, whitish gray man with these bright red look uh painted lips so most likely the hat man yeah that sounds different but you know he was wearing a black suit the suit was jet black and had a very tall black top hat once again the hat man it reminded her of a very tall cowboy hat i don't recall any eyes she recalled that he sat down in the rocking chair near her bed and stared at her and with a sinister grin his arm stretched out and pulled out like this strange clown face and said this is who i am Gina claimed she became defiant and attempted to will herself to get out of a dream she was in, even though to her, she didn't believe she was dreaming at all. I just had to compose myself. I said, get out of my room. Get out of my room. You don't belong here, and I don't want you ever coming back. Before she knew it, the arm stretched back and snapped into normal shape, and the face was gone. The man just looked at me with a strange face and said, you will never know, and you will never tell. Gina repeated her demands that he get out and get out of her room. And it stood up before me and went in the counterclockwise spin on my hardware floor until it was gone. That was not a man in black. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like the hat man, right? Yes. The connection is, though, that she was trying to set up a support group for people who were abducted. Yeah. So that's the alien connection. They aren't the men in black thing. 
I, that's the first time I've heard like where they get them like in their room, like in she's in bed. Yeah, and he just appears too. Like usually it's a knock. Usually there's some yeah. kind of like realism. Like they they're either driving a car and they pull you over, or they just like you know pull up to your house. They knock, or they find you after like a grocery, uh, like you're on a grocery store, and they come up to your car. One of my first stories of Harry Hitman Black was through Unsolved Mysteries, and this guy was talking about how he had these tapes that he, he filmed a UFO, and these guys, these men in black, showed up to his uh, work. He was working as a mechanic, I believe. So they show up and they ask about the tapes. You know, they kind of try to get some information out of them, and he's just like, "No, I don't have them. Leave me alone." They leave him alone, and when he gets home, his house was ransacked and the tapes were gone. Holy shit! <laughs> that was one of my first experiences with the Men in Black. Was, really? You know them like, give us what we want. My first experience with the Men in Black. Don't laugh. It was the movie. Yeah. So I. <laughs> <laughs> what did I just say? <laughs> I had no idea it was like a phenomenon until I started getting into into like uh, creepy shit, and then it was like the worst time to find out about like the real men in black. It was like two in the morning, dude. Oh shit. <laughs> I'm out here watching YouTube. I'm home alone. Cause everyone went out of town yeah. and I'm in a big house by myself in like West side Long Beach. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst time I saw that video. You, you guys seen the famous video, right? The one with the hotel, right? Exactly. Where two guys walk in. That's like the only like proper evidence of men in black. I saw that and I'm just like getting hives. I'm like, holy shit. And then I look out my window like, are they coming? <laughs> I wish I knew you back then. I would have texted you like, ooh, Will Smith. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Will Smith. <laughs> he going to push the dog shit out of you. Yeah, wait, you could text me that now and I'll still be scared. I, I'm a comedian. <laughs> Fuck that. Funny enough, we lived close to each other back then. I'm When I'm talking about now, and like and when I was watching this, we were like three to four blocks away. <laughs> I was living on Santa Fe and like 34th Street, oh, okay. which is right right after like Fantastics, basically. So we weren't that far apart. You could have just walked to my house like, ooh. <laughs> put on a black suit and knocked on his door. A black suit. Men in Black does creep me out. That and like, uh, what's it called? Black Eyed Children. Yeah. Those two, it's just the idea of someone knocking at your door and trying to pretend to be like, something they're not human yeah, yeah that freaks me the fuck I out i heard of like a recent men in, uh not black eyed children's story really there was like a very very recent one and then you know, i think we, i don't know if we shared it or not but i, I think I, we talked about it where they were like we can't come in unless you say it's okay mm-hmm. so that's still stuck in my mind black eyed children that could probably be another big episode if we get more evidence on that or if listeners have an experience with black eyed children cryptic coffee pod please or cryptic coffee pod at gmail.com Another thing that applies to black-eyed children, it's not just, like, a house. It's almost basically anything. Yeah. There's stories of, like, people camping, and they, they stay inside the tent, and the children are like, can we come inside? And, like, they forcefully, like, you have to let us into the tent. Yeah. Like, they make it, like, a, a state, like, a, a thing to, like, let you know, we can't come inside your tent unless you invite us. Or a car. Like I've heard the car one. A car as well. I don't want to go camping anymore. I've... <laughs> <laughs> Why? We got a tent. Brother... They like I'm not gonna sleep after that. Come on, I'm gonna find God. I'm I'm gonna wait till he's asleep and just wait outside the tent. (laughs) Like I'll just be kneeling. Zeus would 100% fuck with us the entire night. He would do some shit. Like you guys are gonna wake up and I'm just gone. (laughs) I'm gonna be like in the middle of the trees, just staring off into the distance. (laughs) I was fully afraid of that too when I was was like it was. It was like five of us all sleeping in one tent in Yosemite. I was so afraid of being like, oh, waking up and I'm alone in the tent. 
Like, I knew, like, these guys are capable of pranking me. I'm like, fuck. Either that or I bring, like, a gorilla suit. <laughs> like, a, like a whole, like... I don't know if you could hide... Well, yeah, if you have, like, one backpack, you bring no supplies, just the gorilla suit. Yeah. <laughs> nah, dude. The rest of the hiking trip, I'm just fucking, like, starving. You guys are eating, I'm like, must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fully down to camp with you guys. Uh, however, I don't think it would be the three of us. I don't think the three of us together is a good combination i think the three of us diluted with a bigger group of people because if it's just the three of us it's gonna be nothing but creepy talk it's gonna yeah. be the cryptic coffee crew cannot go alone <laughs> to nature dude i would be fucking scared like yeah. right now when you said that can't because i've heard about the car one and you know remember my road trip i'm driving in the middle of the fucking night on these like empty misty roads exactly if i had seen a black-eyed child i'd be fucking shitting bricks yeah that was also one of my first exposures to like creepy shit videos of like japanese people in the road who were like hitchhiking and then they turn out to be demons they were like fake videos but that yeah. also freaked me out too nah dude i i've never seen anything camping i've been camping yeah. a lot never anything strange not even like a bear or anything not even anything real that was dangerous never but i'm still scared every fucking time <laughs> every time i'm still like dude think about it. millions of people go camping nothing happens yeah there's still that one chance it's going to be you who's going to encounter black-eyed children in the fucking middle of the grounds. The chances of getting killed by Barney are not are low. <laughs> they're, never they're, not, they're, not they're never zero. They're never zero. Man in a Barney suit. Oh, but yeah, back on this. So this is the first time, like, you know, we, as we were in the story, we, we thought about them, the, the man in the hat, the shadow yeah. man. So I've never heard a story of him talking or what she said. Yeah, he pulled out, like, a, a clownish face. Yeah, and saying this he, like, is who I am. Morphs too. He he stretches his arms. <clears throat> yeah, he actually has talked uh, to one of our guests. Oh, that's right, Kennedy. Kennedy, he talks to her. Well, I didn't know if he talked to her because I know she said Papa Legba talked to her. Yeah, did never. I don't recall her saying the Hat Man talked to her. Just that he was there. Shit, it might have been Papa Legba. I'm sorry, my bad. <laughs> sorry, Kennedy. Shout out to Kennedy though for bringing that story, and shout out to Zeus for scaring the shit out of me while, while I was listening to that story. She scared the shit out of uh, Kennedy as well. <laughs> I wasn't even there. <laughs> he wasn't even there, and she dreamed of him. Oh, speaking of which, uh, the story of uh, the hat man. I'm going to call him the hat man. That is not a man in black. That reminded me of a dream I had last night, dude. What happened? S very similar. Very similar. Uh, I'm in Mexico, and I am I guess I have a girlfriend. And like it's someone I know. I'm not even going to say her name. But I guess we're, she's my girlfriend now. And she's introducing me to her family. Yeah. I know her family. So this is a brand new family <laughs> that I've never seen before. I meet her mom, her dad. They're nice. And then she's like, oh, you got to meet my brothers too. Cue three tall, slender man looking motherfuckers. <laughs> Every single one is the same face. It's the same guy. They're triplets, basically. Fucking Earth 22 <laughs> Ephraim. <laughs> God, his ass beat by Mexican slender man. <laughs> That's dead ass what happened. They're like looking at me and they're like, hey, how are you? I'm shaking hands like above my head. <laughs> and they're like, ah, nice to meet you. They're talking about like how I'm dressed. Like, oh, I like your shoes. I like this, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm. They gave me some weird ass names too, like Sototero or something like that. That's all I can remember. Sototeros, like some Greek space mythology shit. Yeah. And then somewhere between like the being nice and friendly. One of them just grabs my shoulder and sits me down forcefully on the couch. And they're basically just like, listen, motherfucker, you're going to respect our sister or else. 
and then it's the image is all three like basically bending down looking at me it it starts to turn like psychedelic yeah they start like kind of like melting and i'm like oh no and then i wake up <laughs> you should really get that dream interpreted i'm not going to mexico that's the fucking interpretation <laughs> <laughs> no dude that would have scared the shit out of me i gotta talk to with her bro <laughs> we gotta there's probably some shit there <laughs> why were you in my dream and why did your brothers try to fuck me up <laughs> i don't have brothers answer the question <laughs> <laughs> i'm hearing i'm hearing excuses i'm not hearing answers <laughs> almost spat that out <laughs> goddamn kombucha all right, so the next story is you won't remember anything. This one is from 1995 in California. All of these are in the 90s. Yeah. And the the listener, this one, did, did he didn't even want to say the exact location. Oh, shit. Because, he, um, because it was a small town. But oh, to be God. honest, this one sounded familiar to me. I think it might have been on Chiluminati, but I'm not entirely sure. Okay. The man, who did not give out a name, claimed that in 1995, something very particular happened to him. One night when he got off work... I got off work late at night. I was stopped at a red light, and next thing I know, there was 20 miles away. An hour had passed. At the time, I didn't know anything about missing time or anything like that, so I kind of just let it go. About a week later, I was out, and I stopped at a gas station. I was getting gas again. It was at night, and I just remember this man, very tall in a nice black suit, walked up to me and told me that I was going to give him a ride. I said, no, I don't want to give you a ride. I want to trust another man for a ride. And he said, no, you're going to give me a ride. So I quickly put the gas cap back on and went around and got into the driver's side of the car. And I thought the passenger side was locked. But when I got in the car, he was already in there. He pulled me in and I started screaming. He he told me that if I kept screaming, he would kill me. That he just wanted me to drive him around. So I proceeded to drive him and he kept telling me, nothing has happened to you. You won't remember anything. I ran a stop sign and uh, he looked over at me and said, I know what you're trying to do. And if the police pull us over, I will immediately kill you. He just kept repeating. Nothing has happened to you. Nothing has happened to you. You'll never tell anybody. Nothing happened. Then we got out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm still shook up about this. I'm afraid if I talk about it, Carla pauses. You know, he got out of the car and he looked at me and said, I'll never forget. Like, the look in his eyes weren't there. And he said, leave now because I don't want to hurt you. I drove away. I started crying. After I got away from him, I got back into town and I drove around town until I found a police officer. And the police officer rolled up and I told them. And the police, the, police, the police were already looking for me because a clerk in the liquor store had seen the man get into my car and he heard me scream. They were looking for me and my car and the man in the black suit who had gotten into my car. But they never found him. He was never seen again. But I've had instances. I wouldn't even drive a night anymore. Where, where, like, where a black automobile would come up behind me and start flashing its lights wanting me to pull over and I just get home as fast as I can. I wouldn't even drive anymore. There's nothing paranormal about that story, and it's fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. To me, it's terrifying because he kind of just disappeared in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And when he sees, like, the black, you know, like, he sees a black automobile, like, trying to, like, get him to pull over, he just keeps going. Yeah. So, he's being chased by something. Yeah, that's another one where it's, like, not necessarily scary, and there's no aliens in this one. It's just... Yeah, just there's that. nothing paranormal, and he's not stretching his arms. He does... Well, he does look creepy, right? Just he a man in a black eyes. suit, and he didn't see any eyes. Yeah. But that one is, like, fucking scary. That one's giving me Jimmy C vibes, too. We got to talk about Jimmy C. Yeah, I love Jimmy C. And uh, I don't know if I told you about this. I'm going to mention the podcast as well. We should do this. <clears throat> I, I actually wrote a story about uh, a Jimmy C before I even knew who Jimmy C was. Really? I wrote this story in high school for English class. And it was really well received. And it was, like, later when we were talking about the podcast and stuff. And you'd be like, oh, Jimmy C. And I was like, that's what Jimmy C is? And reading the story, I'm like, 
I wrote about this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> we should do that. Uh, I know we got uh, next episodes planned. We're doing something. We're going to the woods, uh, listeners. Episode after that, we should all do some type of Jimmy C character. I could like help you guys look for some because I could think of three like uh, off the top of my head, like the guy that I told you about, like the the guy that was the devil basically driving a muscle car, yeah. And he talked for the dude for like twenty minutes, but it was like three hours. We should next episode we should bring like nothing but Jimmy C type characters, like mysterious motherfuckers that are apparently real. Yeah, I'll look it up. I'll give you some stories. That sounds fun. So this next one is one that I kind of teased earlier. This one's called "A Night Out with the Black with the Men in Black." A night out with the men in black. Sounds like a dating sim. <laughs> this because, shit. This shit. Ain't, they're all. Wait, no, they're not all in California. They're mostly in California. One's in Utah, right? Yeah, this one is in Massachusetts. Fuck, I was so close. I was gonna say New York. I'm like, this motherfucker's in Soho. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the red light district. So Bob claims that in 1993, he and three and three or four of his friends were going out to a local bar. They were driving down the road in a woodsy area where they observed what they believed to be a helicopter flashing its lights on the ground. They uh, assumed that it was like a police helicopter and that they were looking for someone, you know, someone probably broke into a house or something. Yeah. We, we deal with that a lot here in uh, L.A. We know about that. We know about <laughs> the ghetto birds. We stopped at a stoplight and we were just sitting there in the automobile and the light was real long. And we were just like, oh, they, they probably just caught the guy. Yeah. Because the light stopped and at some point we just kept watching it go through all these lights down from the road from us. You know, we thought we were going to stop... Um, we thought they were going to stop us from trying to go to where we go to. So we kind of just stopped. Anyways, like, no, we think that they got them and we just decide to keep going. And next thing you know, they see the, the, the light is gone. The helicopter is gone and they don't know what's going on. They assume it's a helicopter. Mm-hmm. Could have been. They saw lights flying yeah. in the sky. They thought it was a helicopter. And there was like, it's gone in 10 seconds flat. I mean, you couldn't even track it. We got to this place where we we're going. There was this club we were going to. And we were all inside and we were like there not 20 minutes. And a friend of mine tapped me on the shoulder and said, look. And we were all standing in, came four guys dressed in black suits. We were in a bar, and there were these four guys in black suits who weren't even drinking yet. And what's weird is that they came dressed... He mentions a lot how they came in black suits, and they were wearing sunglasses. Yeah. They come into a club in the black suit, sunglasses. He mentions actually a lot. That's why I kind of hate the way the story was written. Because it's a lot of repeating of, they're in black suits, they're in the club. And the thing about it is that um, they actually kind of realize that they were never more than five or ten feet away from them. Oh, so they're close the whole time. Yeah, so the whole time they're in the club, these guys aren't drinking. They have their suits and, you know, like they're there observing them. They were mm-hmm. never more than five to ten feet away from them. And um, Bob told Art about the eyes. He described them in a way, because eventually they did, like, you know, take the eyes off. Uh, they had a weird gray-looking color. It was black in the uh, cataract part, and there was, like, light gray or blue-gray. These were four guys who were all on the same height. They wore the same and looked the same, all with the same eyes. Were they brothers, and did they have a sister? <laughs> <laughs> They're about to beat your ass. They were. See, I hate it. I hate the way that one was written. But to me, it was hilarious because like men in black follow these guys into the fucking club. Imagine it's nothing but like ener- high energy music, mm, 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 mm. and these guys are just standing there as it's <laughs> happening with flashing lights, not moving an inch, just like full, like st- full pose. <laughs> Like, you Just, move a little bit, they move closer, and that's about it. They move like seagulls. This one is uh, the little girl and the uh, dark men in black capes. So this one takes place in 1962 in San Francisco. This is our oldest one. Yeah. Um, f- at the time she called in, she was 41-year-old. Uh, Roxanne was currently living in Napa County. She claimed that in 1962, when she was six, 
She was living in San Francisco with her mother and her sister, Denise. Her sister was nine years old at the time. We were playing in our backyard. We lived in this long, uh, this big old Dutch colonial two-story in San Francisco. My mother comes from England, and she had this English accent. My sister and I were in the background playing, and we had this, I had this favorite tree that I would climb with a nice groove spot for me sitting in so much. And I would climb up there and sink in my thoughts. Sometimes I would talk aloud to my tree. I even named the tree. So as I was up there, my sister was picking flowers. She was more of a lady. I was more of a tomboy. And I sort of lost track of what she was doing because I was swinging on the tree. It was pretty high well for a kid, and I could barely hear my mom's voice coming from the patio outside the backyard. Because this is a huge house we're talking about. I could hear my mom calling out, Roxanne, Denise, dinner time. So I sort of started running for the back door. And I said, I'll get Denise. And I ran back to tell Denise it was almost dinner time. But she wasn't in the backyard anymore. And I thought, maybe she wanted to do something naughty. We were not supposed to go over the fence because it's an empty lot. My house was a kitty corner, I guess you could say. There was a house next door, and the next space over was an empty lot full of grass. When I jumped on the fence, I, w- I was standing by two or four by uh, I was standing on a two by four, stretching with all my might to see over, and I could see uh, if my sister had gone over there. Roxanne was horrified by what she saw. My sister was laying down, and two men were there. One was bent all the way down on his knees, and my sister's head was limp on his lap. My sister was lying down, and she was not conscious. She was not awake. And the other man was bent over her with a syringe. The man had a syringe and he held it to my sister's arm. And I was literally shocked into silence at first because I could not believe what I was seeing because of the way they were dressed. They were dressed in black pants. These men weren't wearing black jackets. They were wearing black capes. They were capes and the Zorro type hats, which I later learned when I got older. I saw Zorro. So later she saw, uh, you know, Zorro, the Mark of Zorro. And she's like, wait a minute. That's the fucker that gave my sister a syringe. <laughs> Now, when he was about to give her the injection, I screamed to her name as loud as I could. And then I thought, I better go get my mother because they wouldn't leave her alone. I was screaming. I go, leave my sister alone. And then I started crying and I slipped off the bench and I got a million shivers in my palm, which I didn't feel at the time. I started running for my mother and then I fell down the flower bed, the brick flower bed that we had. And then my instincts told me to save my sister. My instincts told me I didn't have time to get my mother. And then I jumped back on the fence and I've never been able to get that high before. But the men were gone. My sister was waking up, and then I asked her, Denise, what were they doing to you and why? Who were they? I'm freaking out. And, you know, I'm a six-year-old kid. She said, what are you talking about? What's the matter with you? You look scared to death. You're all white. I told her what happened, and she said, oh, brother. And she said, I'm coming over the fence. She started coming with me. She was groggy. She was very tired, and she had just woken up. And then I went to my house, and I didn't tell my mother because she would have been scared to death. But I did tell my dad. That... That one's hard to explain. That's more paranormal to me. That's more like like extra like dimensional beings, bro. Because the cape... The Zorro. That throws everything out of whack. Yeah. There's yeah. no record of anyone, any type of agency, any type of alien just wearing a cape. None of that. The syringe parts. Because Men in Black stories are mostly you've seen aliens. Yeah. Don't talk about it. You saw aliens. It's like vague threats that keep you like... They're eerie, but like yeah. these motherfuckers were doing something to her. Oh, that's fucked. That's kind of creepy. So this one is from 1993 in uh, uh, Tigard, Oregon, called Homeless Encounter. A man claims that in 1993 he was homeless living in the woods with three or four other people by some uh, railroad tracks in Tigard. Yo, that's kind of tough in Oregon. (laughs) My man. (laughs) My man lived it. They had two tents which were shared. For about three nights, a bunch of very strange things happened. On the first night, they observed a humongous red-orange ball of light that hit the ground in the woods near their location. 
He claims the area lit right up. Light went everywhere. The object made no sound. For some reason, they decided to go to sleep, which was very weird because seeing something like that bright would make us all wake up, He told the caller told Art. Things would only get stranger from that night on. I heard some footsteps. I heard leaves crunching, twigs snapping, and I woke up. I woke up Tom. I woke up, he said. Did you hear that? He said no, and he was awake, but was, but he was asleep. You know that little mistake. You're asleep, but you're still waking up? Yeah. And he said, just go back to sleep. And then it happened. It got louder and ended up brushing against the tent. So the thing about this story is that Art Bell was constantly interrupting this man. <laughs> and pretty much the, the, guy, the only thing the guy was able to say is that a black vehicle pulled up to their location and began to do surveillance on them. The vehicle, Ali, did not give up for reflection. He described them as all dressed in all black with nice ties. They were taking pictures of them. The thing that the witness found to be odd was, how did they know? They had not told anybody what happened. Yeah. So this one is from 1997, uh, a 1997 episode. And the, the writer uh, puts in, Art Bell interrupted him about a dozen times throughout the story and even jim keith began to get frustrated as the story was very intriguing i got the sense that bell was not very interested in seeing and hearing what this homeless man had to say <laughs> telling you art bear art art bear art <laughs> bell did not care about your stories man he was just like get this, out of here you drunk this was sounded pretty cool because like you know it starts one night and then it just goes on next and next and next exactly but three nights there's a couple of these that are actually really interesting that art just says interrupts but this one would have been good to hear because it you know and it's a weird location. It, it's in the woods. It's not like at a at a home or something. Yeah. Like seeing men in black in the woods, that's even creepier. So this one's called The White Sands Light. It takes place in 1984 in White Sands, New Mexico. A caller, no name given, dialed up the Coast to Coast show with our bell circa 1997. He claims that the event happened in 1984 when he was eight years old. He currently resides in Oklahoma, but the events in question of what happened when he lived with his mother and father in White Sands, New Mexico. His mother was in the army, and his stepfather worked as photographer. His birth father was uh, was military police. They lived on base. One day, we were out playing in the backyard, and I had a tether ball. I was beating the tether ball around, and my stepfather was cooking steaks. And if you know anything about White Sands, the houses are all right next to the mountain, at the mountain range, right there in the Rockies. It was about five thirty, six thirty at night, something like that. It was right before dusk, a couple of hours before dusk during the summer, and a white a light started coming from the left side of the mountain. Then it ran to the right side, south to north, and stopped and shot in the middle of the mountains. Our neighbors had said he had seen it, but everybody was kicking out. It was one of those days. My mother ran uh, and called the military police. She came back and said the person was really rude and really fast talking. She said that they had been flooded with calls about this. They said, don't worry about this. It's probably nothing. About an hour later, there was a mountain road, a mountain pass road that just goes right through the mountain. And it just leads all the way up. It goes all the way to the other side. We saw a caravan of trucks, a big flatbed truck with little vans and little things like that. Army coming from the base going over to the pass. And about an hour after that, there was something on the flatbed truck under a cover. We could see it, all of us. I mean, it was a really small place. White sands right beside the road. And then I was, there I was playing tetherball later that night because we had already eaten stuff. I looked inside my, and my mom and dad were talking to a man in a black suit with a black tie. And the other guy was an army suit. It reminded me of a 50s sci-fi movie. Like it was an escort or something. I could see them sitting on the living room couch, and I could see them talking. I was playing. I was outside playing tether ball. I just cared about the tether ball. My mom freaked out about was freaked out about the light. She was talking to me the whole night about it, and she came back and was like, "And I was like, who are those people?" She said, "Some people I work with." And she was talking to me about the light. It was just another war game that they're playing up in the mountains. The man was adamant that what he saw was not some, was, some, was not something conventional. This was not this light was not a war game. So it sounds like they found something in the middle of the woods when they, like it could have been something they crashed. Mm-hmm. They a had whole caravan. Was, yeah, they said it was like, "Hey, 
you know. Why is it always New Mexico? <laughs> For real. <laughs> the last time that something crashed in New Mexico, same thing. <laughs> God damn. Well, you know what? I I think we could probably like look it up, like look up whether there's like so, if there was something because you know there's hot spots. Yeah. Probably like look at a hot spot because I was thinking like. Be crazy! This happened in Nevada, right in the uh, the test site for uh, the Manton Project. Yeah, that whole area of the desert is kind of creepy. I I don't know how I don't want to offend, but I don't know how people live there. Like it's just when it's nighttime, you're literally in the desert. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? But we had a fucking appearance by uh, not just Man in Black, Man in Army <laughs> suits, Man in Army too, and they were like there escorting the thing. That gave me strong uh, Attack of the Body Snatcher vibes. Yeah. Old school army man and uh, government man. So there's another one that... This one I'm, I want to skip because... Another badly written one, and it's not really as funny. It's the night a UFO landed in the graveyard. Proof <laughs> to say, like, you know, a UFO landed in the graveyard. We tried to investigate. There was men in black. Nothing mm. really crazy happened. Yeah. And it kind of ends up um, uh, that the person saw that they were... They had they were not like that World War Two clothes, but not necessarily black suits. That they, they had sunglasses though, and uh, when they went up, apparently the the, the graveyard had been cleaned up. So that's pretty much how it ends. Is that you mm-hmm. know something happened, and it was just you know cleaned up afterwards. That one sounds kind of fake to me. Like nothing ever happened. You won't remember this. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Wake up. <laughs> Wake hey, up. hey, stop. Wake up. <laughs> that's what I was telling myself as the brother sat me down. <laughs> You heard Joji, wake up, uh. wake up. <laughs> All right, so this one is a, a dramatic weight loss. In 1985 in Ventura, Pennsylvania, shout out to Cade. Hey, Cade, it's your home state now. Dave, a caller, claims that he was a truck driver driving through Georgia one night when he observed a flatbed truck carrying a large object. This thing had no cockpit, no jet propulsion. It had U.S. government property written on the cable. He further observed some trucks that were driven by what he believed were government personnel. In 1985, he was venturing Pennsylvania visiting some friends. He was around 18 years of age when, at the time. He had gone to bed at 8 p.m. He was looking out of his sleep at midnight. Somebody was, stepping, was standing over them. He reached out to me, and in a split second, he was gone, Dave told Art Bell. This person had a, a black tuxedo top on, overcoat with long sleeves. And when he reached out to me, I was so startled that I looked around, and he was gone. Dave claims that he attempted to tell his friends, who dismissed it as a dream. When Dave returned home, he was shocked to find out that he had somehow lost 20 pounds over the night. He had weighed himself before leaving. It was a consistent weight, and he somehow found that he had lost 20 pounds in the span of a single night. He told doctors and friends to dismiss it as a strange weight loss, and that was it. The crazy thing about that, I think that's actually possible. Yeah? Uh, I know F1 drivers lose a shit ton of weight while they're racing. I'm going to look that up. I didn't know that. It's like a very strenuous thing. Like, if... Have you guys ever gone, like, go-karting? No. Uh, if you go, like, like the serious go-karts, like the 40-mile-per-hour Euro, like, go-karts, those shits are... The steering wheel, your hands hurt after, like, a couple laps because that shit vibrates hard. And to turn, it takes, like, so much energy. It's basically a full-body sport, but obviously we don't see that because we see motherfuckers sitting down <laughs> in, in, like, four wheels going... Ying! But they're fucking dying in there. <laughs> they're fucking fighting for their lives. They are fighting for their lives. Even and some don't win. <laughs> some people have died. How much weight do F one drivers lose per race? Okay, I might have been exaggerating a little bit. They lose about two to three kilos, so about six pounds. I guess I need to become a driver. That's 
I'm becoming a little chunky. <laughs> <laughs> That's still like, but 20 pounds is a whole lot more. Yeah. yeah. That motherfucker did three to four races <laughs> worth of weight loss. So this one's not necessarily another like alien one. It's called Taking Inventory. It happens in the late 1970s in San Jose. Richard uh, Richard Rim San Jose claimed that in the late 1970s, he was working at an electronics company and had a strange encounter with some men in blacks. I worked for shipping and receiving, and I was taking inventory. I was standing on top of these pallets. I fell through, and I fell sideways and broke my ankle. That's an HR violation that we got to call OSHA. <laughs> I was stuck there, and I looked up, and I saw these two guys in black. One was short, and it looked like they were taking inventory on me. <laughs> I was yelling, <laughs> why aren't you helping me? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> My brother Richard, those were not men in black. Those were your coworkers. They were so fucking dumb. They thought you were pro- the package. Damn, we sending live ones now, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, uh, me and Jose are laughing our asses off because we both work in like a similar environment with uh, lots of pallets and stuff so just the image of being in like receiving coming up seeing a man stuck between pallets go like yep <laughs> this one's going to Indiana like, <laughs> oh, oh fuck oh no so yeah so he's screaming like, why aren't you helping me why aren't you helping me it was like a dream I couldn't see any faces, but I could see they were all they were in all black. Next thing I know, one of these guys comes running over. One of the guys from uh, that I work with, I'm a big guy, about two seventy six foot two. He lifted me right up, and my ankle was broke. I was dangling, and these guys were gone. I definitely saw these guys. Fuck, dude. So there's one more story left, but yes, this is why I want to bring it because even though some of these were ridiculous, paranormal, not paranormal, weird. Yeah. I want to hear stories like these from, you know, our listeners that they have them. I like that they're all different in a certain way. Yeah. We haven't had the same story twice. From motherfuckers in Cape to men in black in the woods. To motherfuckers in shipping and receiving. Oh, apparently <laughs> men in black going corporate. That's why they got the suits. Out here doing fucking logistics. That's crazy. I'm, OSHA should know about this. <laughs> Y'all know about this shit. <laughs> Calling the Better Business Bureau. Y'all know y'all got motherfuckers out here taking inventory of humans. (laughs) It's like that one conspiracy theory with that one uh, furniture. Oh, Wayfair? uh, Yeah. Wayfair that they're fucking human trafficking. So this is the last one. It takes place in 1996 in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. The year I was born, one of my favorite cities. It's called The Man in the Alley. Okay, I'm not so excited anymore. (laughs) (laughs) In 1996, Mark was an artist. He was putting on a sci-fi art show called Stranger Than Outer Space at the Vancouver Planetarium. The show featured the work of 50 artists and was attended by 1,500 people on opening night. While not the central focus, the show tended to lean towards alien abduction phenomena. Right as Mark started, uh, started out the press releases for the show, weird things started happening. His girlfriend Jody woke up one night seeing tall black figures looking down on her. Also, it seemed that somebody was entering the apartment when they weren't home in the dead of winter. They found their uh, windows were open. Furniture was moved. At first, they brushed it off as their imagination, but eventually they started to realize something was very strange. Something very strange was going on. After the showing, Mark decided to take some time off and relax. One night, he was home painting when his girlfriend, Jody, called him over the window. Come look at this, she told him. Their third floor apartment looked down into an alleyway. I saw two tall men in black, both wearing black baseball caps, covering their faces. 
They were just standing there staring up at us. I stood, I stood there for quite a while and I had an eerie feeling that I was being scanned. At one point, I merely waved at them as to pinch myself. One of them coldly put his hands in the air as if confirming it was us that they were looking at. Just then, the phone rang. It was one of the other paints from the art show. He began telling me about a strange dream uh, he had about a saucer. Jody looked over me and said, they just disappeared. She had the look on her face. I'll never forget. I ran to the window and saw that they were gone. She said, not gone, but disappeared. So Man. this one brings a question that I was going to like uh, propose. Because this one's the f- I think this is the only one that takes uh, place outside of the United States. This is uh, in Canada. Yeah. I wonder how many stories do we have outside of the U.S., like in other countries, not just like English-speaking countries. I wonder somewhere if like in Mexico, like uh, South America, maybe Africa. Yeah. People who, because there's a lot of UFOs as well in like uh, other parts. I forgot which country it is, like Vietnamese, like Vietnam or Cambodia. I know there's one that's like recently kind of been described as like a UFO hotspot. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they also have like men in black stories, because I never really hear about anything outside of the country. Right, because mostly we attribute that to, to like... English speaking CIA FBI specifically those like organizations and we all think oh they have like some kind of secret deal with the aliens that's like the theory for most like true believers so I wonder if like there's other phenomena in non-English speaking countries I'm gonna nah I don't know anyone that's seen a man (laughs) I said like I'm gonna ask my cousins in Mexico if they see no but I'm gonna like look into it specifically Mexico I wanna see cause the idea of men in black in Mexico is kinda creepy to me like the so like the reason I, I picked this article out right was because I wanted to put kind of push this as a as a big story doing Men in Black, trying to see if we could find more you know other countries more places that had these experiences, seeing if we can get listeners to call in like listeners if you have stories let us know, yes at cryptocoffeepod at, at gmail dot com or cryptocoffeepod on Instagram please DM Hit us up DM us like we'll tell your story or if you want to tell your story you can. I just thought of a fucked up joke. <laughs> Instead of men in black in Mexico, it's cartel members. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Two guys in like floral shirts show up. Did you see anything? No, I didn't see shit. Good. Here's uh, $2 million. <laughs> and then they leave. Just the whole time we're talking about men in black after like we're saying goodbyes and everything. We just hear. <laughs> hey, yo, don't fucking say that shit, bro. Don't say that. Funny enough, the car is like right there. We parked super close to the exit. Yeah. Today would be the worst day where, like, everything's perfect. We're so close to leaving. <laughs> and then just men in black as we're watch- walking out. Because it's a glass door, so we would see them, like, show up. I'm fucking scared to leave now. I'm fucking scared. The window's fucking open. I see shit out that window. What'd you see? No, I mean, like, I can actually see directly <laughs> outside. I know, but, like, what'd you see? You see the parking lot? Because you've never seen that side, right? Like, I mean, we drove back here once. Oh, yeah, to throw away trash. I forgot. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I've never seen, mind. You know what's back yeah, there. Yeah, I've seen it, but never seen it open, like, through the side. So if like here, let us in. I, wa- I wanted to knock when he was telling the stories. You would have fucked me up too. <laughs> like just when it was like super quiet, I just wanted to be like, like just really oh, quick. Oh no! I would have been crying, brother. <laughs> you would have got Jose good. That cape one's still with me. That one's really creepy. I think those were like aliens or like extra dimensional beings, bro. You don't just wear a cape and, like, test uh, test subject a human with a syringe, man. Yeah. That was some other shit. But, yeah, like I said, some of these were, like, were weird. They weren't all necessarily connected to aliens. They were just, like, oh, yeah, you know, one dude, like, this guy was taking inventory on me. 
that one's fucked <laughs> in every aspect possible. He fell. He had a workplace injury. Probably didn't get workers comp because it was the 90s. He broke his fucking ankle and then they fucking marked him down somewhere. <laughs> I like, ex- with the exception of one, uh, another thing about Men in Black, people are always awake when it's happening. Yeah. Uh, aliens, a lot of alien abduction stories are like, oh, I was sleeping. In my bed. I've had a couple stories. Fucking uh, Vladimir and Olga. It starts with them in their bed. So, yeah, but then, you know, Benny and Barney Hill were driving down the road. Exactly. So it's the ones where, like, exactly, like Betty and Barney Hill, where they're doing something actively and then shit happens. Men in Black is another reason why that freaks me out. Because you're never sleeping when, like, the Men in Black, like, knock on your door. You're outside doing something, grocery shopping, camping, in your car, etc. And then they fucking knock. Yeah, dude, like the I mentioned earlier, my first my first experience with the Men in Black, or like not experience, but my first you know introduction was the Unsolved Mysteries episode, and mm-hmm. the guy was just at work. He had recorded something. He was at work, and they approached him. Yeah, and you know they all describe you know the eyes, the painted on lips. I was actually listening to an Art Bell uh, before you can't pick me up, and it was different stories than these. And the guy was just like, yeah, you know, I saw the the thinly painted lips with lipstick. I saw the eyes he, you know, described this. It's whenever, when I, when I saw them, it was exactly as everyone described. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Cause it was still kind of taboo back in the day. Like, um, this is more of a serious subject. Like, uh, people who were different, like say like a burn victim, someone who's like paralyzed, someone who's like different. People would look at them like kind of weird. Even like in elementary school, it was kind of taboo. You didn't talk about it. Yeah. I feel like today it's more accepting. We see people more as like, oh, you're a person. You're Something happened to you, but you're normal. Yeah. I wonder how that would go down with like a man in black and like just like, yeah, so he was kind of weird, but just a normal guy. Or if it would still translate as this motherfucker was not human. Well, a lot of these, and like a lot of these cases, right, you have a vibe. Yeah. It isn't just like, you know, you see somebody like, let's say Zeus was doing the exact same thing, but you're like, you know, Zeus. Yeah. You're like, ah, Zeus. But in Men in Black, it would be like there's something off. Something feels weird. There's like a vibe. There's tension. The uncanny valley again yeah. thing. Yeah. But yeah, there we go. Like, it, it scares the shit out of me. And I'm like, honestly, right now I'm kind of terrified that I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night. Another thing that it scares me thinking about in like Mexico specifically, because think where we're from. Yeah. There's a Los lot of Angeles. Stories. Yeah. But like Los Angeles Buenas is nowhere near anything. Yeah. The nearest city is two hours away. And that city is pretty fucking like isolated from everything else. Yeah. It's like a l- middle of the mountains. Nothing is close to like uh, Durango. Yeah. So imagine having guys in suits knocking on your door in the village, like just full-blown like you see a suburban or something you're like what the fuck yeah something about that freaks me out the idea of that yeah dude, actually that was scared the hell of me because it's like first of all what are you doing all the way out here mm-hmm. do you still have family back then back there yeah uh my tios tios <laughs> you should ask uh if they got any stories i'm probably gonna ask some of cousins as well because shit happens over there well, i remember when i was there 2007 you know I had family in Carmona, which is like right next door. Right. Next on the door. other side of the uh, track. It's literally. We have one road. It's literally on the other side of the road. It's literally two little towns connected. It's basically like neighborhoods, basically like city. Yeah. Not cities. Like it's basically streets. <laughs> yeah. It's the same small village, but apparently we, it's so small. We still decided to put it into like sections as if it was like New York or something. That's Brooklyn over there. <laughs> That's the Bronx. 
Slow as fuck. I remember they were telling me stories, and one of them was like El Diablo en Carmona, the devil in Carmona. Mm-hmm. And I remember being so fucking scared. I didn't listen to it, but I do want to see if I can reach out and be like, hey, yo, you got any stories? Because shit does go down there. Yeah. There's always like a paranormal story. There was always like a paranormal story or something. Someone out there saw something. I have a book of paranormal tales from Durango. I should either bring it. I don't know if I have it anymore. It's probably like somewhere in storage. Yeah. I should either bring it or buy it again. Because it's a pretty decent book. I remember the one story I read it was like when the devil went to the nightclub, something like that. There was a nightclub in Durango and then yeah. the devil showed up and like people died and shit. I should bring that. Oh, it also talks about like the fucking giant scorpion from the prison that kept killing all the prisoners in the certain cell. Oh, shit. So there was a cell that no one would survive the night. Like as soon as you put a prisoner there, you knew he was going to be dead by morning and no one knew why. And one prisoner, I guess he snuck in like a candle. And he said in the middle of the night, he saw a giant fucking scorpion coming down from the ceiling. And then he managed to trap it. And that's basically what was killing all the people. The thing, too, is uh, about Durango is the scorpions are our national animal. That's our, yeah, that's our fucking state uh, animal. It's it's like our symbol. Those things ain't no joke, bro. Yeah. I got to check my shoes every morning. I'm like, scorpions in here? Nope. Okay. <laughs> We're good to go. <laughs> Time to get coffee. All right. I think that's where we're going to leave it. And to be funny enough, this is actually more of a serious episode. Today. That was a good episode. It's very serious, not too many jokes. And once you got onto the, like, uh, uh, what's it called, Men in Black topic, it was nothing but serious because <laughs> I was terrified. <laughs> I mean, there was a few jokes in there. We had to stop a few times, the Men in Black in the club. I can't but, make too yeah. many jokes when I'm, like, truly scared. I'm like, fuck, this is some really good stories, too. But yeah, uh, listeners, reach out to us if you have stories like that. Just, you know, reach out to us. We'll tell it. Or hell, you can tell it yourself. Have you been abducted by aliens? Have you seen a man in black? Dude, have Are you, seen you the chupacabra? Have you had a dream? Have you had a dream of three brothers? <laughs> <laughs> I got to decipher that fucking dream, guys. Dude, you really do. That's something. <laughs> While I do that, guys, thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed. For the Cryptic Coffee Podcast, this is Efren. That's Jose. And Mr. Stromboli. Saying... Adios. Adios. <laughs> I thought that's how Mr. Stromboli would talk, but I'm I, that was Spanish. I guess he's Italian. <laughs> Goodbye. Adios. Bye. Listen, Kevin, you little fucking shit. I will find you, all right? I know where you fucking live. I see the fucking analytics. I will steal the milk. I know your fucking address. I'll take your little fucking empty fridge, (laughs) and I'll leave the milk for it to curdle in your fucking room, all right? (laughs) Anyways, please, uh, stay listening. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. And uh, thank you for the five stars you're going to give us on whatever it is you're listening to. Yeah.